Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you've got your Bible with you this morning, if you would turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. And while you are turning there, I want to ask you a very open-ended question this morning. And uh, maybe somewhat rhetorical for you here in this setting, but something definitely I want you to meditate on and really be thinking about this morning. And I want to ask you today, what do you really want to do? What do you really want to do? Is there a desire in your heart? Is there an, an, a sincere and earnest desire to rise up and be everything that God has destined you to be? Or are you satisfied to abide in mediocrity and to live one day after the next day after the next day in the rut that we call normal? How many of you would say sometimes, you'd say, Pastor, there's often a great difference between what I want to do and what I actually do? Now, I don't, I don't mean that in the sense of what you wanted to tell the clerk in the store that you refrained from. I don't mean that in the sense of what you wanted to tell the drive through operator at Burger King that you held your tongue about. I'm asking you today, are there things that you want to do, but because of timidity and trepidation and because of the things that, that hold you back, because of insecurities, because of all of these feelings of inadequacy, you stay stuck where you are? How many of you would be real honest with me this morning? And I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I'm there. I live at that place. Well, I want to ask you again this morning, how, what, what if it didn't have to be that way? What if it didn't have to be that way? What if today, and I'm going to need some people to help me preach here in a minute. What if today was the day that you no longer sat on your dreams? What if today was the day that you no longer held back? The day that you no longer forfeited the promises of God and settled for mediocrity? The day that you, the you that you were meant to be, the you that God has designed you to be was unleashed and from this point forward you walk in faith trusting God every step of the way and you saw the miraculous unfold in your life. What if today was that day? It can be. It can be that day. What if today was that day? If I ask you today, how many of you would be honest and say, Pastor, there are burdens and dreams and desires in my heart, but I feel so unqualified to step out and pursue them. Pastor, sometimes when I look at my life and I examine my existence against the promises of God that I know that there's more blessing that I'm due through my inheritance as a child of God than I'm now presently walking in. How many of you say, Pastor, I want to have more faith. I want to see God move in a greater way in my life. I want to experience a fuller measure of the blessing of God. But as of yet, I have been held back. I want to tell you what you need. You don't want to hear it? I can tell. 
But I want to tell you what you need this morning. You need a forward moment. You've been stuck. You've settled in. You've hunkered down. You've dropped anchor. But I want to tell you, child of God, I want to tell you, people of faith, this morning, that what you need right now, what you need today, if any of this resonates with your heart, if any of this rings true to your situation, then what you need today is a forward moment. A forward moment. And I want to share with you just a few things, oftentimes, that hold us back from our forward moment. Number one is our past. And on the back of your bulletin, you'll find notes and you'll find some blanks back there. And if you want to do some scribbling this morning, everybody keep your eyes on your own paper. What your neighbor's writing down is none of your business. But you do some reflection this morning because what I want for you is when you leave this place today, I want you to have identified some things in your life. I want you to have identified some fodder for your prayer life that you can go home and you can say, Holy Spirit, you have touched my heart. You have put your finger on things in my life that I know have been hindering me, that have been holding me down for too long, but I'm ready to get up. I'm ready to march into my promised land. I'm ready to take that mountain. I'm ready to take that new territory. I'm ready to receive everything that God has in store for me. How many, how many are with me this morning? Come on now. You see, the number one thing oftentimes that holds us back is our past. There are a lot of things in our past for most of us that make us timid or reluctant to move forward. You know, experience can be a great teacher. Experience is a wonderful teacher. Uh, it, it can reveal to things to us that we hadn't previously known. It can impress upon us a truth that we might not have otherwise believed. Experience certainly helps us learn our lessons more thoroughly, doesn't it? How many of you have been told things before, and you were told things, and you were told things, until finally one day you experienced that thing, and you were like, oh, I understand. Your mama told you, your daddy told you, your grandma warned you, but when you touched it with your hand and you experienced it and you felt it, all of a sudden you knew it in a very thorough kind of way. You know, you knew exactly in a moment, what, oh, this is what they were talking about. Experience can be a great teacher. When we learn something that's not somebody else's hearsay, we, we, know, we, we know it well at that point. But experience can not only be a great teacher, experience can be a great trainer. Experience is a great trainer. You see, if I touch something hot, I'm not likely to touch it again. If it, once I've been burned, I'm, I'm going to try my best to avoid that. I'm trained. I'm trained in a way that, that I'm not going to do that again. Sure, there, there are certain experiences that we've had that, that teach us not to put ourselves in that predicament again and experience certainly can be an excellent trainer in the natural but how many of you know your experience not only trains you in the natural but it also trains you in the way that you view the world and the way that you contemplate things and sometimes physical experiences can become a trainer to your spiritual life and because of things that you've been through in your physical life, you have been trained and programmed in your mind spiritually to think certain ways. And the experiences of your physical life have began to skew your view of the promises of God. 
I can't open up. I can't make myself vulnerable. I can't let people in because I've been hurt. See, experience. 1 Corinthians says that we're to love. The word of the Lord says that we're to love one another, that we're to, we're to, we're to abide in unity and abide in peace together. But because of natural experience, we find it hard to lay hold of and walk in that spiritual truth. And I want to tell you something here this morning. There's some of you under the sound of my voice that because of disappointment, because of failure, because of things that you've been through in the past, you have allowed that physical experience to train the way that you view the promises of God. But I'm here this morning. Hallelujah. I'm here this morning to awaken something in you and to call something to life in you that maybe you had suppressed, maybe you had tucked it away, maybe you had hoped that it would leave and go away. But this morning, I'm calling to life the dry bones that are on the inside of you that that dream and that passion, that desire would awaken on the inside of you again. And no longer would you let the experience of this physical existence mandate to you how you're going to move and how you're going to operate in the spirit but you will walk according to what is thus says the Lord we allow the negative consequences of this life sometimes to taint our promise our view of the promises of God but but you know what when we do that we huddle down and we begin to sing I shall not be I shall not be moved I've been to church here for 35 years. I've sat on this same pew. There's an imprint of my behind on my space. I know exactly where I belong. I haven't done anything for the Lord in that length of time because of something that happened. But I can tell you today, God's got a plan for you. God's got a purpose for your life. God's got, God's got a destiny for you to rise up and lay hold of. Sometimes in our past, it's our failings. It's that we've tried it before. But I'm here to tell you today and serve notice on you that your past failings have never come your way to negate the success of today. I want to say that again. In God's economy, past failures are never the criteria that keeps anyone from fulfilling their destiny in Christ. Because, you know, the Word says this. Here, here's your promise right here for the day. How many of you have ever fallen? How many of you have ever failed? You're so disappointed with yourself. Well, I've got a good word here for you this morning. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations of all book. We find a great word of encouragement. And it says this, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Can I tell you today, when you got out of bed, it doesn't matter how bad you blew it yesterday. Today's a brand new day of his grace. It doesn't matter how bad you failed yesterday. Today is a brand new day of his mercy. He wants you to get up. He wants you to rise up. He wants you to walk by faith and follow after him. Now, yesterday's failings, can I tell you again, were never intended to keep you from today's success. Yes, God permits things to come in our lives. He permits us to go through difficult times and hard times and to face situations. And sometimes he will watch us fall. And when we fall, the adversary is right there at our ear. And he says, see, I told you. I told you you'd never make it through. I told you you couldn't do that. I told you you shouldn't have tried that. I told you that you should have left well enough alone. You shouldn't have been tried to be that kind of Christian. You're not that kind of person. But do you know what I believe when we fall? 
I believe the only question that God has for us in that moment when we have fallen, he's there helping to get us back up. His Holy Spirit is there comforting us and aiding us. And do you know what I believe God's only question to us in that moment is? He says, son, daughter, it's time to try again. You, you need to get yourself up. I'm here to help you. My, my only question for you right now is what did you learn when you hit the floor? What did you learn from your mistake? What did you learn from your failing? It's not there to disqualify you. It's there to educate you. It's there to train you. It's there to be a source of wisdom for you. But it's not anything that God is leveraging against you to keep you from reaching your destiny in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, if failing was the criteria for disqualification, Abraham would have never received the promises of God. Jacob would have never produced the lineage of the 12 tribes of Israel. Moses would have never led the children of Israel out of Egypt. David would have never been the king of Israel. Jonah would have never carried the message of... Come on, somebody. Are you getting this this morning? Jonah would have never carried the message of repentance to the Ninevites. Peter would have never preached the gospel, and Paul wouldn't have written half the Old Testament. Try it one more time. Try it one more time. Maybe things didn't go so well in that last business venture. Try it again. Maybe things didn't go so great when you tried to take those classes. Try it one more time. Maybe things didn't end that great the last time you tried to have a conversation with your kids, the last time you tried to visit with your parents, the last time you tried to carry on a conversation with your siblings. Try it again. Try it again. The second thing, and I'm hurrying this morning, is that, that, that hinders us so many times is our physical limitations. Our physical limita limitations. I want to I tell you this. God wants to do something supernatural with your life. Amen, Pastor. I'll receive it. Thank you, brother. I'm going to tell you what, if I have to do my job and your job too, this is going to be a long day. All right? Can I tell you today, God wants to do something supernatural with you. Hey, hey that's better. I'm not asking for your applause. You understand that. I don't care. I'll stand here and preach to you all day long. You can be stone silent. But I want to see a church that's fired up about the promises of God. I want to see a body of Christ that is alive and energized with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they're going somewhere. I don't want to see a church sitting somewhere. I want to see a church going somewhere. Amen. God wants to do something supernatural in your life. He wants to work in you and through you in ways that you've only ever imagined. He wants to bless you supernaturally. He wants to supply for you supernaturally. But our problem is we have a hard time not thinking naturally. It happened to Moses at the burning bush. God showed up, said, I want to do something supernatural with your life. He gave a list of natural reasons why God couldn't do something supernatural with his life. It happened to Gideon on the threshing floor. God showed up and, and said, I want to do something supernatural with your life. And Gideon gave a list of reasons why that God couldn't do something supernatural with his life. 
It happened to Mary when the angel came and announced the birth of Christ. Do you know what Mary's one question when God showed up and said, I want to do something miraculous in your life? Her one question was about the natural limitations. She said, how can this be since I've not known a man? And God's speaking to you right now. God speaks to me often. And my first line that I go to is to, is to begin to ask God about my physical limitations. It happened to the disciples on the day that Jesus fed the multitude. Hey, guys, these folks are hungry. Hey, Jesus, let's send them away. We can't do anything about it. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. It's too far to go get some. And Jesus said, what do you have? I don't care about what you don't have. And I want to tell you today, when you're in your place of prayer and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to your heart, can I tell you that God doesn't give a hill of beans about what you don't have. He already knew what you didn't have before He spoke to you. He already knew what you didn't have before He pursued you. He didn't ask you what you did have. He looked down on what you were and said, there's a man, there's a woman that I can use if they will yield themselves to me. I will anoint their little bit of mess and make it a miracle. It happened to the Samaritan woman when Jesus said he wanted to rearrange the wreck that she called her life and make something beautiful out of it. Jesus said to her, if you knew who it was that was here speaking with you, you would be asking me for a drink of water. She went straight to the natural limitations and said, how is it that you're offering me? You don't have anything to draw from the well with. It happens every time God begins to deal with us. It happens every time that opportunity comes our way. It happens every time that we desire for something more to well on the inside of you. When that begins, we, we begin. How many of you? Listen to me. See if this sounds familiar. I'd like to do that, but I don't have the money. I'd like to do that, but I don't have the time. I'd like to do that, but I don't have the connections. I'd like to do that, but I don't have the friends. I'd like to be able to do that, but I don't have the talent. And the good news for you and I today is that the only time I can ever remember Jesus asking anybody about their lack of anything was when he was speaking to the woman taken in adultery and he said, woman, where are your accusers? Any other time, God speaks to people and says, what do you have? What do you have? The question of the Lord is always, what do you have? What about the widow who, the, who had the creditors coming to take her boys? The prophet asked her, said, what is in your house? To Moses, he said, what's in your hand? God is in no ways as interested in what you can do in your strength as he is what you'll permit him to do in your weakness. Don't ever give God the excuse of physical limitation again. Because he is the one, as we said to this band this morning, everybody cheered, he is able to do exceeding and abundantly above everything that we think or ask. He can do it. He can do it. Let me tell you something. If you ever dream or conjure up anything in yourself that you could have done by yourself, that probably wasn't from God. Because that's not the kind of dream that he conceives in our heart. You want to go wash your car this afternoon? You can do it. You've got the strength. You're well. Go do it. 
You want to go do something else tomorrow, you've got the resources to do it, you've got the time, you've got the money, whatever it is, go do it. But when God calls us to do something miraculous, when God calls us to be involved in the supernatural, he's going to call us to things that we can't do by ourselves regardless of where we are on the level of personal ability. That doesn't mean you don't need to do the best you can to improve yourself. Ignorance is not bliss. It's a miserable state. You may need to take those classes. It may be a requirement for where you're going next. You may need to invest in yourself. You may need to use the resources that God has put in your hand to prepare yourself for the next level. But it doesn't matter how prepared you are, where you're headed in faith is always going to require the supernatural intervention and supply to get you there. Number three that always holds us back is our fears. Fear is one of the most crippling powers in the world. We refrain from doing a lot of things because we can't fully calculate the risk and because we can't know the end from the beginning, we don't move because we're afraid. We miss a lot of opportunities because we're afraid of what the end might be. We pass up on that promotion by faith because we're afraid we're not qualified. We're afraid we're going to fail. We're afraid that somebody's not going to like us. But let me give you some good news today. There's somebody who doesn't already doesn't like you. You just as well get up and walk in the blessing and the anointing and the destiny that God has put before you. They already don't like you. Somebody... Now, mind you, people have a hard time celebrating your victories with you, so you might have a new batch of people that don't like you at that point, but don't worry about that. God loves you. God has intended good for you. God wants to prosper you and make you the head and not the tail. God wants to make you the lender and not the borrower today. Come on, somebody. Don't you worry about what everybody else has thought about you. You worry about what God's thinking about you because He has good thoughts about you. We're afraid that we're going to look foolish. Well, let me give you some good news this morning. You all, I'm, that was a typo. I'm sorry. Let me, let me get back to my notes here. <coughs> if, we, if we ask the question, what is the opposite of faith? Many people would say that the opposite of faith is doubt. And I want to tell you today, that's just simply not true. The opposite of faith is not doubt. Faith is not the absence of doubt. There will always be times when your natural circumstances are going to testify to you a litany of reasons why your next step of faith is going to lead to your undoing. There will always be questions. But faith is allowing what you know about the promises of God to be greater in your life than what you know about everything else. It's not about having every doubt erased. It's not about just having everything lined up perfect. But faith is about knowing who you are in God and who God is to you and walking in accordance. You see, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. Here's what I know. 
If we can overcome fear and begin to move by faith, our doubts can be erased. I said if we can overcome our fears and begin to move by faith, our doubts can be erased. A doubter can be convinced. A fearful person never moves off the starting block. Matter of fact, a fearful person barely even gets in there and crouches down ready for the sound to start. You see, I know this because one day Jesus stepped into the boat of a common fisherman named Peter. And he said, Peter, cast out a little deeper. Push off away from the shore. Let's get out in the deep water. And Jesus was there with them and he said, now Peter, I want you to cast your net. Oh, Lord, Peter, I want to do something. When Jesus said, Peter, I want to do something, I want, to ca- I want you to cast your net, what he was saying to him is, Peter, I want you to position yourself to receive something supernatural from me. I'm about to do a miracle in your life. I'm about to unleash a blessing right now. And I'm talking to somebody in this room right now. God wants to unleash a miracle in your life. God wants to unleash a blessing. But you know what Peter did? Same thing that we do. Peter, James, and John in a sailboat fishing. Fished all night, but they caught no fishes. Peter said, Lord, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. It's not the right time of day. It's not, we can't, this is not a good idea because of this and this and this and this and this. But then Peter, see, there's the doubt. See, I told you that doubt is not the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Everybody gives Peter a hard time because he, he fell. He sank in the water. My problem is not so much that Peter sank while he was walking on the water as it was that there were 11 other cowards in the boat that never got out. Peter was a man of faith. And Peter says this bold statement, with all of his doubts, with all of his misgivings about the situation, Peter said, it's not a good idea, Jesus. But nevertheless, at your word, can I tell you Jesus has spoken a word over your life? It is, it is something that exceeds your wildest expectations. And when you're meeting the circumstances and situations of this life, your response to it needs to, you need to bring your fear and trepidation and lay it down at the foot of Jesus and say, Lord, I don't know about this. This, is, this just kind of makes me a little queasy. I'm a little antsy here. But nevertheless, Lord, at your will, I'm going to let my faith overcome my fear. I'm going to take this step. I'm going to cast that net. I'm going to do it with an expectation that even though I don't understand what you're doing right now you know full well what you're doing right now and I know that you have intended to bless me and I'm gonna move by faith you see I can another example another couple of examples here the the Roman centurion said Lord I believe but help my unbelief it wasn't that the doubts weren't there And you tell me right now that the widow who fed Elijah her last little bit of meal wasn't in her kitchen mixing up that cornbread and thinking to herself, I can't believe I'm doing this. Me and my boy are about to starve to death and I'm making this prophet a cake first. I must have lost my mind. God told Joshua, though, to be strong and courageous when he commissioned him to lead the children of Israel into new territories. 
And I said it, I said earlier that to possess faith didn't necessarily mean that you had to release all doubt. And being courageous doesn't mean that you're going to experience a full absence of fear. Did you hear that? Being courageous doesn't mean that you're going to experience a full absence of fear. It means that you're not going to let fear control you. You're going to be afraid. You're going to have trepidation in your heart, but you're going to stand firm on the word of the Lord. You're going to walk by faith. Even when you can't see where he's leading, you're going to trust. You're going to move forward. You're going to keep going. You see, courage is, the, is having the fortitude today to say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He's preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He is anointing my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. I'm walking through the valley of peril today, church. But I know that my Lord is with me. I know that even though the enemies camp round about me, that he is preparing a table for me. He's setting up a feast right in the middle of the famine. He is anointing my head with oil. I am blessed and highly favored of God. Surely. See, that's our problem sometimes. We need some surely. Look at your neighbor, tell him, you need some surely. You need some surely, surely, good, affirmatively, positively. It has to be the truth that God's mercy and favor are following me all the days of my life. Now I want to give you a call to action right now. I want to ask you to stand. I want a worship team to come back and begin to play. And I want to ask you to stand all over this congregation this morning. We're getting ready to wrap up here in just a minute. But this is what I want you to do. If you believe today that God has something great for your life, I want you to lift a hand to heaven all over this place this morning. Lift them both up. If, you, if, you, if you're good with it, go for it. Amen? But just lift those up to Jesus right now. And I want you to, I want you to agree together with me in a prayer right now in this moment. Father, I come to you in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I lift to you my fear. I lift to you my failure. I lift to you the hurts of yesterday. And God, I ask you, Lord, that you would never let the, the, the experiences of this physical life taint my view of a spiritual reality, that you are bigger than all these things, that you are greater than all these things. And God, right now, I position myself to receive what you have for me. From this moment forward, Lord, I'm no longer content to sit, but I want to move in faith. I want to walk by faith. I want to operate in the Spirit. I want to see your work being accomplished in my life, in my family, in my home. I want to see your work being accomplished through my ministry. I want to see your hand at work as I go to that business tomorrow, as I go to that workplace tomorrow. I want to see you at work in my life as I'm faithful to walk in accordance with your will. Now here's the text for today.
2 Kings chapter 6, there had been a great conversation between the king of Israel and the prophet Elisha. There had been famine, severe famine in the land. And then in chapter 7, we come to a response from Elisha back to a threat from the king. And he says this, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time a seah of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord were to make, the windows, uh, make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And in fact, and he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. So they said to one another, Why are we going to sit here until we die? And my question to you this morning is why are you going to sit there until the promise of God perishes in your life? Why are you going to sit there until opportunity dies? Why are you going to sit there and contemplate and wonder and worry and fret? Why? They said, why are we going to sit here till we die? Some of you, you're thinking about things you want to do right now. And your excuse is, well, by the time I got it done, I'd be X number years old. Can I tell you, you're going to be X number years old in that amount of time regardless. you just as well be walking in the promise and the fullness of God. Can I tell you that life is going by regardless when you get to the end of it. you just as well not be ate up with regret and disappointment. you just as well be satisfied with the life of faith that you live and the walk that you've had. And they said, why sit here till we die? If we say we will enter the city and the famine is in the city, we'll die there. If we sit here, we're going to die. Now therefore, come and let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we will live. And if they kill us, we'll only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, come on somebody, you're, you're not ready for this. To their surprise, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us kings of the Hittites and uh, the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they all arose and fled at twilight and they left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when the lepers came in to the outskirts of the camp, they went in one tent and they ate and they drank and they carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them and then they came back and they did it again. Now I don't know if you were getting that this morning, but let me break it down for you here real quick. There are any number of reasons that these lepers could have gave a wonderful rationale to set outside of that city gate and die. First of all, they were lepers and they had no business in the city. And they cited these reasons. 
They could have said, the, they could have reasoned that they risked embarrassment and then they were still going to die of famine in the city. They could have been killed trying to enter the city. One of them said, could have said, everybody's given up on us anyway. We're just a bunch of old lepers and we really don't deserve anything better than what we have. And there's a lot of you that the devil's convinced of that too. That you're just old, oh, you're just old so-and-so. You don't, you've done, you're just, you'll be happy to make it into heaven by the skin of your teeth. You don't deserve anything more. But I want to tell you something. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you today that the devil wants you to live your life bound up in fear and suppressed by your circumstances. He wants you to say today, well, if I just had more opportunity when I was growing up. He wants you to say, if I had better parents, if I could have attended a better school, if my spouse would do better, if I had more money, if I had more friends, if I hadn't failed in the past, if I didn't get hurt that one time. He wants you to miss God's best for your life. And I don't know who's trusting for what here today, but I'm going to tell you, if there's going to be anything great that ever happens in your life, it's going to be because you decided one day that enough was enough, that you were tired of being shortchanged, you were tired of living in mediocrity. You were tired of not having what God had promised to you. And you were tired of living defeated and tired of living paralyzed by fear. And you're going to have to have a forward moment. A moment that says, I don't care if the fire of the trial kills me. I'm trusting God and with Him I'm going to go to the other side. A moment when you say, I don't care if I look foolish trying to get there. I feel foolish sitting here and forfeiting the bounty of God's blessing over my life. A moment when you say, why am I going to sit here and die forfeiting the provision of God for my life? My friends may not understand it. My family may not understand it. My co-worker may not understand it. But I've got to move. Look at your neighbor and tell him I've got to move. Tell him my forward moment is right now. This is the time. I've got to step out. It's time for the people of faith to arise and possess their inheritance in Christ Jesus. The enemy may have set up a garrison guard to keep guard over that thing that God has promised, the thing that you've been believing for. But I believe, you know what I believe today? Sister Ernestine, come, come here and help me. Come on, come on, help me. You're a woman of faith. You've been trusting God for some things. And you know what it's like for the devil to lie to you and tell you you can't have what God has trusted you. You know what that's like. But you're praying, you're standing in faith. And you're saying, God, I believe your word is true over my life. I, be I believe, Lord, that the good thing that you have spoken over me, I believe that good word over my life, and today I'm hungry for what you have for me. That's right. That's right. And you say, Lord, by faith, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to begin to step out. I'm going to have my forward moment. I'm not going to sit here until I die, but I'm going to get what's mine in Christ Jesus. You've done that. You, you know what happened? You know what happened? You took, you took a step. Take, take a step. Take a step. That's right. When you took that step, you took that one step. God, God come alongside and he said, come on, child of mine. We're going to get what's yours.
big brother Jesus came up and said, come on, come on, come on, my co-laborer. Come on, faithful witness. Come on, we're going to go get what's yours. And it was just you walking at first. But when God started walking with you, all of a sudden what the enemy heard was the sound of a mighty army coming. And they said, I hear the sound of the horses. And I hear the sound of the water. And I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Come, I got to get out of here. I'm going to tell you today, church, the devil's going to flee before you. Demons are going to tremble. Hell is going to quake. But you're going to get what's yours in Jesus' name. If you'll stand up and take it, you got to go for it. you got to go for it. you got to get up. The problem is right now, some of you are more worried about lunch than you are what God wants to do in this place. But I'm going to get mine. Me and my brother Jesus, we're going to the enemy's camp and we're going to take back what he stole from us. I'm getting my joy back. I'm not going to live depressed anymore. I'm not going to live despondent. I'm not going to live bogged down by the worries and the weight of this world. I'm going to walk by faith. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.